0: Hello, and welcome to the Heathen's Journey podcast. I'm your host, Siri Vincent Pluff, and I'm so glad you're here. This is the show where I explore heathenry through a queer lens. We will be talking about traditional witchcraft, runes, folklore, and so much more. Join us, won't you, as we journey to the ends of the nine realms and back. Welcome back to the Heathen's Journey podcast. This is a surprise bonus episode for those of you who are looking for ways of celebrating Yule or the winter solstice or um, any of these, you know, holidays at this time of year, and want to bring some more heathen flair to it. Um, as I mentioned, I think in a recent podcast episode or perhaps on Twitter or somewhere. Anyway, I've been talking about this a lot. There are in Old Norse, two full months of Yule. Um, And it's this incredible season of giving and making sure that people have what they need and um, kind of teaching people all of the skills that they need to get through the long winter. These holidays are also kind of have an interesting underpinning of darkness running through them. I mean, Krampus has uh, become very popular in recent years. But there's also Grilla, the uh, Icelandic witch, uh, Christmas witch. There are the Yule lads. There are, um, uh, oh, Huldra, I think, is the Norwegian kind of similar to gorilla, uh, hag of the season. Um, and there's this kind of feeling of like, there's all of this joy and laughter and warmth at the same time that there is some really deep dread about what the winter has to offer. I think that, you know, now was for, you know, people in Northern climates, uh, December, um, is a very, uh, difficult month if you are living, you know, close to the land and um, dealing with a lot of harsh climate. And honestly, like there's a lot of death at this time of year. So there's a lot of grief mixed in with all of the celebration. And I think that that's really beautiful. As a goth bitch myself, I (laughs) love to find the darker sides of things. But there are also Bunch of amazing kind of folk traditions that you can revive at this time. And to help me tell you about these folk traditions, I brought on my own teacher, Kari Turing. Um, She was a guest in the podcast way back in June, um, July, and uh, she has a lot of really great ideas for how to celebrate these different. these different times. So I hope that you um, enjoy this conversation. I think that it's rich and full. I will also be following this up with some blogging on my Patreon um, and eventually on northernlightswitch.com just about um, how I personally have been celebrating these holidays. Um, And I talk about this later in the conversation with Kari, but I see the turning of the Gregorian year almost as its own Sabbath. I love year ahead planning. I love kind of digging into what this year before has offered us and what we are looking forward to in the future. So um, I'm actually offering a very different kind of year ahead planning for you all this year. Um, I am offering a year ahead intuitive planning session it's called a year ahead reading on my website but um it's really it's really uh time for us to get together use tarot use archetypes use kind of our intuitions to figure out like what are the different energies that you'll be facing throughout the year and how can you kind of like plan ahead for those at this time So you can book your own year ahead reading session with me. Um, I'll leave a link in the show notes to my Acuity scheduling page. And um, I'm only offering these on Saturdays and Sundays between now and January 17th. So this is a really limited time offer. So um, yeah, you'll want to book Even if it's, you know, several weeks in advance, you'll want to you'll want to book out so that um, you can take me up on this offer. I look forward to helping you plan your year with uh, grace and um, practicality. All right, so let's dig into the conversation with Kari. I hope that you get a lot out of this. I know that you will. And now we're recording. Welcome back to the podcast, Kari.
1: Well, thank you so much
0: for having me, Siri. It's been such a a fantastic year of working with you. And I know that a lot of people were really interested in your work after the last time you were on the podcast. Um, And I think that this conversation about, you know, Yule... Um, these holidays that come up over the course of actually two full months um, in our Nordic ancestry. Um, It just felt a little bit more, you know, right to have this be a conversation between the two of us. So thank you so much for coming on. Well,
1: I'm very glad to be here. And I think um, if people who are listening live in or have lived in very northerly climates they might understand why it is necessary to have yule times jolly yule times um for two months because it can get very bleak so
0: (laughs) yes yes that's actually a really great place to start so um Uh, let's just do like a brief introduction to Yule for people who are maybe not heathens for listening to this or who are just starting out on their own heathens journey. Um, so we have two months of Yule in Norse times, um, and they start, let's just like kind of walk through like what the season looks like. It's really a season, not just like a, a holiday, for us, right?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think it's important to note, you know, once again, that the that there are only two seasons, winter and summer. And that winter starts with the month called slaughter months. And so that's when we're slaughtering the animals, and we're making all the sausages, and we're doing all the preservation of food. And there's a lot of work, there's a lot of work. We've just we've been doing all the harvesting, we're putting up food for the entire village for the entire winter. And not just for the winter, but for the spring because there's not fresh food to eat until uh, a lot of times into June. So you know, it gets to you know it's it's all hands on deck. It's everybody's working. We're doing all the wool work is is going we're doing all of this um and it's and it takes everybody's effort um including the children you know who are are working hard at this everybody is working hard doing what they can because they're on the edge of a survival uh, or not surviving kind of uh, edge during, during these, the dark, cold winter times. So we start with the slaughter months and, you know, on the, on the Gregorian calendar that starts October 14th and the, the um, symbol is a mitten. Uh, for the prim stuff and so that just sort of is a reminder of okay you know get it
0: together everybody we need Um, our mittens to be ready we need our you know like we need to get all of that stuff out of storage or whatever we need to switch over here's what's coming here's Mm -hmm. what's coming you know
1: um so it's um you know it's the promise of cold times where in april um 14th is the summer side. And that is, you know, a blossoming tree and it's not that trees are blossoming. It's that it's the promise that trees will blossom. So there's this sort of a foreshadowing of those of this season in both those symbols, you know, and so we have slaughter months. And then um, during the slaughter months, it <clears throat> is um towards the end of slaughter month is when they, we do the alpha bloat, you know, the, um, so it's kind of, so people are like, so when did pagans celebrate Christmas? And it, you know, it's just, it's really <laughs> a, that's kind of a funny question since it's a pre-Christian <laughs> thing. Right. And also there is this long extended period. Um, so the, the, usually the moon after Slaughter Moon is called Yildir, which is one of Odin's names. And um uh Yul and Yillr and Yulnr are all kind of um etymologically tied together. So this is a, a a time of Odin's um month and it's called the first Yule month um and it contains in it the winter solstice. So one of the things that your listeners um, might want to like read, read more about is how our uh, oldest ancestors used a lunisolar calendar. So we were marking the new moons and the full moons as they travel through the pillars of the solstices and equinoxes. So the solstices and equinoxes were seen as are sort of pillars around which the moon did his dance, right?
0: And it's also, I mean, this is just kind of a thing that I do to get it in my head. Month, moon, yeah. you know, like I try to think about them as moons. And then we have in our Gregorian year, we have the months. Right. And
1: they were named for as, as if they
0: were supposed to be.
1: Be moons, but they have very little to do with where the moon is at, they have everything to do with math. <laughs> so, <laughs> yes, so and we had the two. So, in the first uh, mathematically um, Roman Catholic and uh, was before uh, Roman Catholic, it was the Roman calendar, <coughs> the Julian calendar. The solstice was on December 13th, rather than December 20th, as in the Gregorian calendar. So, that that the first Yule month has to contain the solstice, uh, makes for sort of an interesting year this year, because um, the solstice, the Julian solstice is December 13th this year or the, okay. the new moon yeah the new the the let's see <laughs> i have to even look it's, <laughs> it's still mathy even if it's it's more visual um uh so the first yule month can, can contain the solstice if we've started the yule month now if we're calculating on the julian calendar that that's the solstice. If we are going on the Gregorian calendar, then the first Yule month uh, needed to start needs to start later on uh, on the the new moon of December thirteenth. So it's really um, um, it's a funky year because it was a, uh it is one of those intercalary years that has a thirteenth moon inserted into it um most of the time that 13th moon or we often hear that that 13th moon and have read about it in anglo-saxon tradition that that 13th moon is put in at summer solstice and it's to line up everything with with winter solstice so that everyone's on the same calendar again um and so I didn't do that. And I put my 13th moon in now. So I'm at the very tail end of my 13th moon. We just had the f- full moon. And the 13th moon in Old Norse is called, um, it translates to late late moon. So between Slaughter moon and Øyður is where I decided to put my 13th moon. and. Okay. Yeah, so, so I won't be starting my first Yule moon until December 13th. Uh, and then that, uh, that puts um, the Gregorian solstice in that first moon. And then um, the second Yule month then um, is called marrow-sucking month. Bone marrow sucking, um, because presumably we've eaten all the fresh meat and have all these bones. So I imagine bone broth was a big deal uh, during during later uh, parts of um, of the winter, and so um, that puts the first um, full moon after the first new moon after solstice all the way into january january 28th so that um yule bloat that is sort of the the end or the the, the big uh, a big bloat um that is talked about in the um nordic uh, poetic sources and sag you know uh, sagas and things that that puts it like be, earliest it can happen is January 5th. The latest it can happen is February 3rd. So it can be, um, in, in that time. Um, but we, we tend to think of, of Yule as happening w- in December.
0: Yeah. And I think there are a couple of reasons for that. Right. So like, per, first of all, you know, like us, for those of us celebrating Ewell now, you know, like I know I was raised Christian, um, Loosely Christian, but Christian. Um, and there's definitely like a very big, you know, like if you're in a Christian, like largely Christian country, like December is a big deal, you know, like mm-hmm. it's it's fun to have a holiday there. And then there's also the, um, the Wiccan calendar, like the Wiccan Wheel of the Year that places Yule on winter solstice. Um, So I think a lot of people, as they were kind of transitioning into, you know, either witchcraft or Wicca or um, Mm -hmm. paganism or whatever, they followed that calendar. Um, But as heathens, Yuleblot isn't on the solstice.
1: Right. And, you know, honestly, we just, you know, we just don't have anything that is really sort of, that we can point to and go, this is exactly how everyone did it, you know? So (laughs) in our, yeah. So in our community, in our heathen community here in Minneapolis, you know, I guess part of the thing um, about living in Minneapolis, in, in Minnesota in general, is that we have so many immigrant groups that have continued their root culture traditions. And so we have a, the earliest sort of um festivity that we uh, look at is Krampusnacht and St Nicholas Dog or the uh, St Nicholas Day and that is December 5th and December 6th you know so we have like a Krampus society in in Minneapolis we have you know uh Heathen um, tradition of, of of celebrating that as sort of the kickoff of the Yule tea the the time the season
0: yeah and Krampusnacht is so interesting too I mean that's that's really like um, it's really much more German than oh, exactly. it is Canadian
1: yeah, yeah. absolutely German Alpine um, Austrian um, and so Krampus is this, uh, has been popularized. I, I think um, most people know about Krampus now because it's become so popular in, in um, pop culture. But um, it's, a, it's a dualistic figure that kind of appears along with St. Nicholas, who was a Greek saint. So it's very, very early Christianization. That, that happened in those areas um, many centuries before uh, Scandinavia was Christianized. So while they might have been doing their Krampus not, uh St. Nicholas stuff, we were still not doing anything with saints, you know, as, uh, pretty much. Um, so, but it's this dualistic idea of there is this uh rotten evil character that punishes um children who were misbehaving, who um, punishes people who didn't get their work done, uh, those kinds of things, and then this goodly character who says, you know we're gonna um reward the industrious and the 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 dutiful. And um really what it what it boils down to is that winter, like we said in the beginning, it's a it's it was a time where you had to have it together or you could you might not survive. You had to have all the candles made or you would be in the dark all the time, right? You had to have all the meat preserved you had to have all the grain put away you had to have all the wool working done you had to have you had to get things done or um that evil that re- is represented um of of just the darkness and cold and the potential for death uh is there it's a very real presence and it's personified
0: um that way yeah yeah, it's like, um, you know, it's it's interesting too because it's not just compass, right? It's also Grilla. It's also um, these other figures who are kind of this personified darkness or this personified like, oh, you better, you know, do your work right now, like <laughs> help your family, be good. Right, um, yeah.
1: Grilla, the Icelandic um, troll woman and um, the the Icelandic Yule cat that will come and eat up children who don't have any new clothes for the winter. For the, if, they don't, if you don't get uh, a new piece of new clothing on Christmas, then you'll be eaten by the Yule cat. Which is, you know, really, um, you know, the onus on us as adults to make sure that children um, have what they need to stay warm. Um, and that Yule cat, as um, the you know frostbite and sickness that can that can come to somebody who isn't doesn't have warm enough clothes, you know.
0: Yeah. Um, so I celebrated Krampusnacht this year. Nice. Um, we had a lovely little. So one of our friends of the pod, Need Fire Wellness, um, they are hosting a Yule fest which is all zoom classes. And, um, so I'll be attending a lot of them. I know that you're teaching a lot of the Yule Fest classes. Um, but it's basically to kind of like bring some more light and cheer and like, you know, um, learning more about Yule and different traditions around Yule, um, in this very separate and quarantined and kind of hard winter. Like this winter is, already feeling really hard, and I'm a person who loves winter, so, you know, like, it's a big deal. Um, but you taught a, you you um, brought on a guest for your uh, Yule class on Krampus, um, Brody, who's a local uh, German. Um, is he a, an immigrant first gen or... Um, No, I think his grandparents came,
1: but he's Brody Dirks. And he is, um, he was, as he was saying, he was more immersed in the Scandinavian traditions. Um, And then later when he lived in Germany, uh, studying and got into his his Bavarian um, roots is when Krampus started to uh, kind of be like, oh, hey, maybe we should do this. So with, um, he is the Thule or last speaker of um, Half uh, Kindred, one of the longest running kindreds, heathen kindreds in, in Minnesota. And um, they, with their children, uh, they're, they're a rather large group with lots of kids. And they do um, celebrate Krampus. Yeah. yeah. But I, made up, uh, I And I was so nervous because I thought, oh, I hope he doesn't think I'm doing anything appropriative here. <laughs> right. You know, dipping into your Austrian thing. But um, I kind of made up, here's an idea of how we could do a ritual for crumpus because most of us don't have a community. Well, we don't have a community and we couldn't gather with them if we did. Um, and we don't have costumes and we don't have, you know, a lot of this stuff that they do. So we um, took a, a handful of birch twigs and strewed them out in the front uh, of our front door and then put out a um, shot of schnapps. So Krampus will have thought that he'd already been there. And the schnapps as an offering to sort of ease any kind of agitation that Krampus <laughs> might have had at missing an opportunity or not remembering whacking us with his uh, birch twigs. And then ha- hanging some cowbells or jingle um, uh, sleigh bells or something in the trees in the backyard so that he will think the Krampus parade has. Gone that direction, so that was my way of kind of creating a new ritual around sort of avoiding uh, getting punished by Krampus, and then put your shoes out in case Saint Nicholas comes.
0: Yeah, and that actually that was really wonderful because um, so my dad grew up Catholic, right? So it actually felt really like ancestrally cool to um, to uh, put my shoes out and put toffee. Uh, we f- I found like some little like individually wrapped like toffees um and candy and stuff uh coins are the most traditional but with how stores are right now I just couldn't get coins in time um but I texted everyone it, who lives in the triplex that I live in I was like all right if you want to be visited um on <laughs> Krampusnacht leave out your little shoes in the in the back hallway in the back staircase." Um, and i will you know you might you might find a treat um in your shoes so that's been really fun and i think that i might keep you know doing some of that stuff uh just to spread the cheer to the other people who live in my building i love i love them all dearly and they're um wonderful and i know that this has been a hard a hard stretch for people so a little bit of mischief is is never amiss it's so important.
1: You know, and I'm fortunate because my neighbors across the street are German uh root culture and Swedish root culture. So I have um I got some St. Nicholas candies in my shoes, which I did not expect. This is the first time I think they didn't really know if I was doing crompassy things. Um but I always get Saint Lucie buns, uh Santa Lucia um buns and on um after saint lucy day uh in the morning then i their oldest daughter brings them over and it's really it is so sweet to be able to do those kinds of things with your neighbors that are um you know just can can it's something to look forward to like even as an adult, I literally ran down and peeked out the window to see if there was anything out there, you know. And it was, yeah.
0: it was nice. You know? um, that's a great transition into Santa Lucia and the Yule Lads and all of that. So why don't we talk a little bit about um, St. Lucie's Day um, and some of the traditions around that. Well, yeah, so, so
1: December 13th, um is St. Lucy Day or we call it St. Lucy Day um and uh, uh but it's a Santa Lucia or Santa Lucia um comes from the Italian saint and um she was um uh one of she was uh dedicated dedicated her virginity to to Christ and and her pagan father wanted to marry her off and she said no and then they were gonna I think one of the stories I have to double check but was she was they were gonna burn her at the stake and they couldn't get the fire lit kind of thing and then they uh plucked her eyes out all kinds of things you know how they used to do <laughs> yeah how they used to do how they used to do you know um <laughs> and uh, so, um, but there, but before S- um, Santa Lucia came into the picture, um, we have an old tradition of Lucy Long Night, L U S S I, which means um, a light. Uh, light-carrying being. And she was a very vicious kind of... um. So the thing about it is really interesting is that while Krampus and St. Nicholas are these sort of separated, one character is obviously good, one character is obviously wicked. In our older times, these were blended, uh, more kind of subtle uh, transitional Things and it was it was usually women characters or female characters like Lucy who um, would peer into um, uh, people's windows to see that their homes were clean and if they weren't she might burn the house down you know um, which of course is a um, myth uh, sort of folk way of saying they probably didn't get their chimneys cleaned out before they were lighting the winter fires, you know, kind of thing. Um, she, this is, these, during this night, <clears throat> these nights, uh, animals uh, talk to one another. So all of the animals had been brought into the homestead, into the, into the inn guard, into the, the, the home farm literally into the houses in the oldest of days um, because those long houses were heated in part by the animals that were brought in. So your sheep and your cows and things were right there with you. And this was uh, the time when they could talk to one another and let it, uh, let Lucy know um how, how they had been treated if they had been mistreated by the humans in any way she would just get furious you know oh cool so, really a lot of like really interesting and, and so much of these wintertime celebrations have to do with maintaining good relationships with the the, the core of fertility of the earth and the animals that we count on, mm-hmm. Maybe those relationships are are good, you know. So, um, so there there were. Um, so when Santa Lucia or Lucia kind of came up, um, it sort of took over this um, this season. And you see, uh, Santa Lucia um, mm-hmm. is the there's a, a one of the girls in the village is chosen each year, and she dresses all in white with a red sash and a crown of candles in her hair, and then the bo- and the other girls dress in in white as well and carry a single candle, and then the boys dress uh, as with um, cone hats with stars and moons on them and carry a star on the end of their um, long uh, scepters. So you have this imagery that any pagan heathen uh, person would see as obviously representing Sunna, the sun goddess, and Mani, the moon god. In these kinds of costumes, and um, the the lucicotters are these light cats that are buns that are in these uh, swirls in the like they look like S, and so the rune for the sun is this S rune, the sigil uh, Saulus, uh solo, um, and. There are little raisins on the insides of the swirls that um, some people think mean are the cat's eyes, the light cat's eyes. And also, though, St. Saint Lu- Lu- Saint Lucia has uh, one of the things she has is eyes on a plate because of her eyes getting plucked out. Right. So also kind of represent that. <clears throat> so lots of stuff. And because that was the old solstice, this was the big festival that was happening.
0: Yeah, so that also makes sense to me, you know. So talking about like ways that we can celebrate the, you know, Santa Lucia Day or the, the Lucy. Um, would be to, you know, clean your home, obviously. Like, that could be a good, big part of it. Um, As well as making those buns, um, choosing an appropriate person in the household to do that. Um, You know, you could... I don't know if I feel quite comfortable recommending to all the listeners that they, like, create a candle wreath, but...
1: (laughs) you uh-huh. well, we sure do it and so part of the um and one of the important parts of the candle wreath is that the wreath um most often had fresh freshly cut green greenery so um spruce juniper kinds of of wreath so that any candle wax um would drip onto the the greenery um, and also the greenery is fresh so it doesn't um, burn right away if something wretched should happen. Yes, but you can so, also, there's lots of candles with the like battery, there's candle wreaths with battery operated candles and stuff too you can use that they oftentimes use these days.
0: Oh, yeah, that's right. We don't have to go full old school. Um, yeah. if you wanted to though i mean i think you know making the wreath that day right you don't want to let it you know um if you're going to make your own you know you don't want to let it um dry right um, you just want it to be and you also want it to be like sitting at a good point on your head mm-hmm. too so that it- it doesn't
1: fall well, over. Well, that's right. With the <clears throat> little kids' classes that I used to do at Ingebretsen's, I did lots and lots of little kids' classes there. And at Norway House, sometimes, um, we would make it out of paper. And then we could make the cone hats and the stars and the paper um, wreaths and stuff. Um So that's also an option for people, a little a little uh, flamey type tissue paper on the top of a of a toilet paper roll is just fine.
0: (laughs) Perfect. Um, All right. So we have been chatting for a while. So now I will take a quick break for our sponsors and we'll be right back. Welcome to the Swamp Witches. Swamp Witch Stephanie is an online magical herbal apothecary for all your darkest desires. Swamp Witch Stephanie started in 2018 with a line of anointing oils enchanted by the Swamp Queen herself. Stephanie has been studying the Western occult tradition American folklore, British and American traditional witchcraft, and historical herbalism for over 10 years, and has brought her knowledge and expertise to each of these handcrafted all natural oils. And this year, Swamp Witch Stephanie has launched a new line of ensorcelled skincare products. And she would know. Being the drag persona of Marcus Ironwood, Stephanie knows the importance of keeping your skin soft as a babe's bottom. Stephanie is ready to share her magic with Heathen's Journey listeners with 20% off your order at SwampWitchStephanie.com. Just use the offer code HEATHEN for your discount. Keep it swampy. And we're back. All right, so... um. Yeah, so there's another aspect of St. Lucy's Day um, which is the Yule Lads. Right, and actually the Yule Lads precede St. Lucy by a day.
1: There okay. are 13 Yule Lads and the this is specifically Icelandic. I there is no other Scandinavian um culture that that does this this is very very specific to the icelanders and they have 13 yule lads and they start showing up on the 12th and they their one shows up every day and they um don't depart until the 6th of january so there are 26 days where you have to be um conscious of these different yule lads and their names are really um, descriptive of what they do so the first one that comes is called the Sheepcoat Claude. Um, and he is the harasser of the sheep um, but is impaired by stiff peg legs right so the first <laughs> one is yeah so the so the first one is the it shows us the importance of the sheep so we're, we're talking about, like, um, Iceland and how important sheep are. So watching out from that day that the sheep are, are safe in their little sheep coat, C-O-T-E. That's the, the little um, barn for the sheep. Uh, the next one's gully, uh, gully gawk. And he hides in gullies waiting for an opportunity to sneak into the cow shed and steal milk. So there, again, you need to be really careful with your cows. So we've got the sheep and the cows uh, being potentially harassed. The next one is called stubby because of the abnormally short um, stature and steals pans to eat the crust left on them. So here's one that we need to be aware of the fact that um, we need to Make sure our pans are well washed. Otherwise, stubby will come in and steal them. Spoon liquor, that's uh, a really good one. Um, And uh, steals this. um, It's called a thurr, which is a type of wooden spoon that has a really long handle, or a suara, and um, he steals it to lick it, and he's extremely thin due to malnutrition. So um, again, spoons. Then pot scraper. So you have got your pots and your spoons and your pot, uh, your pans, your spoons and your pots. Pot scraper steals the leftovers from the pots, um, and bowl liquor hides under beds waiting for someone to put down their, um, their Oscar, which is a type of bowl with a lid that is used instead of dishes. And he steals the bowls. Uh, so again, it's a, it's, you've got to be really careful with your, um, with your dishes. And then there's door slammer who likes to slam doors, especially during the night, which can maybe be, um, uh, a reminder for us to make sure that the doors' latches are um, uh, secure before we head to bed so that the wind doesn't blow them open. Um, Sheer gobbler or Skir gobbler this is the, um, the Yule Lad with an affinity for Skir, which I don't know if uh, your listeners would know what that is, but it's a type of kind of like a yogurt. It's a type of Icelandic. Um Sour cream dish that is quite delicious, and you can, I love skier yeah, it's really, really delicious um and you can get it in some of the um specialty shops um so there's one of the foods that are eaten during this time. He comes on December nineteenth and leaves on the first of january uh sausage swiper would hide in the rafters and snatch sausages that were being smoked. A window peeper is a snoop who would look through windows in search of things to steal. A doorway sniffer has an abnormally large nose and a cute sense of smell, which he uses to locate laufabrov, which is a leaf bread, which is a kind of um, really um, fine, lacy pastry Um, and then meat hook comes on December 23rd and he uses a hook to steal meat and then candle stealer is the last one and he follows children in order to steal their candles which were made of edible tallow so tallow candles um he would steal them and eat them so you have uh so this is the last yule lad that comes december 24th and leaves on the 6th of january so you'll notice that no yule lads come on christmas proper um but they start leaving on the 24th um the 26th the 27th uh so there's that the twenty fifth is this sort of um, reserved day of of everything's gonna everything's cool for one day, then you gotta be on your guard again, right so yeah to me, um, i I just think it's such a, a fun tradition, a beautiful sort of um, tradition that really tells us a lot about what people's um biggest concerns were. During these during these winter months,
0: and I think also um, in order to you know kind of like celebrate that now, if you have Icelandic ancestry or you're just like oh the Yule lads are kind of cool, you know like how how can I celebrate them or you know like do you any kind of working with them? I feel like there's so much here about like keep your house clean, like mm-hmm. cleanliness and tidiness is such a Nordic. Do your dishes. <laughs> Do your dishes, like it's such a Nordic cultural thing. Yeah. um and then the other thing here is that you know you could on the day that you know skier stealer uh arrives, um you could eat skier or try that for the first time, or you know um you could have lacy pastries on the day that 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 one arrives, or you know like smoked sausages like it's mm-hmm. um these are kind of ways that you can celebrate this now, right? Um, I might suggest um, leaving some one of those
1: things outside the house. For example, if you like left something outside the house, then maybe the Yule Lad wouldn't come in in the house and and rustle around. <laughs> you know, right? Like maybe he has what he needs.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. yeah. So. Um, and there are lots of really cool um songs in the Icelandic tradition about these Yule lads and um, one of them, I think, is so interesting it 's very, very short. Shall I sing it?
0: Yes, please do all right now
1: you use a staff because it is um, uh, because it it talks about a staff in it um, and it so let 's see here if I can remember the words um, Yola Spanier pace the floor, thick walking sticks in hand. Their mother, Grilla, sweeps the floor and spanks them with her broomstick. On the stool, there stands my picture. Just nine days before the Yule, I'll be among the humans.
0: Yeah. Oh, that's really sweet. Very <laughs> sweet
1: little ditty. And it's that it's interesting that um, nine days before the Yule... There's a a similar interesting song in Norwegian tradition about eight uh 8 days before the Yule, these little girls go up the mountain and find these little objects and they it causes them to dance and that's called opili 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 sto a li te comma at the dagger you'll dance you'll from anna 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 stare da di tai a triumpa pandai ya la ri andare dalla dai pandai so up the hill up the hill there's a little picture comma similar to what we heard in the Yule Lad song, eight days before the Yule, um, Anna goes up there and finds it and dances and causes her to dance. And so there's a very variety of things that they find. So that's eight days before the Yule, and this is nine days before the Yule. And, you know, if uh, Yule is going to be on winter solstice, then eight days before the Yule is December thirteenth,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and nine days before the Yule would be December twelfth when the Yule lads come.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's really cool. I I had not heard of the um, the girls, the eight, uh, um, eight days ones who. Yule. Well, they yeah. they
1: are. Um, that's a song from Telmark and it has. Anna and uh, let's see Anna finds a kanna. Hege finds a tege. uh what else is there? Um crossa osa finds a crossa. And um so I think there were three verses. I added a verse for um my uh like uh finds a stove and a little the little staff <laughs> you know um they're not they're they aren't magical girls per se. They are girls that go up the hill to find magical objects. So they can be any girls. um, But yeah, it's, it's very, it's, it's very interesting. Uh, There are quite a few uh, Yule songs um, in Norway that they also have in Iceland. And I don't really find that um, as quite as much. Um, The song, there's a uh, juniper plays a big part in both Norway and Iceland. Um, And there's a song about the children in the children's um, circle dances about going around a juniper bush. um, And, you know, the juniper being brought into the house is a way of um, protecting the house keeping diseases out of the house so that's something listeners could do is get um get some juniper and bring the juniper in and and it smells delightful so that that's a thing um another children's song is talking about um I went over land and sea an old man came to me and said where are you from and I said my I'm from clapping land and everyone who can clap can be from clapping land it's just a, a they have that in um icelandic and norwegian uh, children's song tradition and there's uh one about the yule svein the yule lad who um is out in the woods and a, a rabbit comes and says oh You need to let me in uh, because a hunter is trying to get me, and the Yule Lad lets them in because they're friends, you know. And it's lots of really
0: sweet
1: sweet things that we can we can play with with children. Yeah, so those those kinds of things, you know, and the idea that extends that it extends across two months is is important. Um, That. the first month in old nurse is dedicated dedicated to Odin as the Yule uh, father, the Yule father and the wild hunt is part of that piece as well.
0: Let's talk a little bit about the wild hunt.
1: Yeah. And that is, that is something that lasts all winter. It's not just uh, something for Halloween or whatever it's. um And it, goes in these um, lots of different traditions around it, but this dark time of the year is when ancestors might find their way back home. So there are traditions um, around um, like setting a place for ancestors or setting a high seat for ancestors to sit in, even um, on you'll proper to leave the beds empty in case your ancestors want to sleep there Mm -hmm. Um, that they don't crawl in with you. (laughs) And, you know, so there's, there's this idea that they are all walk, they're all free to roam at this time. And that some of those spirits that had died um, that had were unsettled, um, is part of the wild hunt kind of concept where Odin could be with his uh, his entourage riding through and, and snapping up the unsettled spirits. but also people who are unaware as they're out on the um, out on the roads in these dark times. So the most important thing, you have a silver in one pocket, and you have bread in the other pocket. If you're if you have to walk out alone during this this time, and if it's uh, Odin that you hear Odin's horse that you hear first, you throw the silver, and if it's the hunting dogs you hear first, you throw the bread. And it's said that. Anything below the shoulder of an ox uh, is safe. So you want to get down as close to the ground as you can. If you have a cloak, it's nice to throw your throw a cloak over your face or uh, an apron. You can throw your apron up over your over your head and just fall to the ground. And that can be then they can pass over you because they won't see your eyes looking at them and be attracted to you that way. So those are some things.
0: Mm. That reminded me. I actually wanted to ask you about this. So, um I remember, oh god, I can't remember where I came across this idea, but there's this idea um that in order for something to be used by those who have died, that you break it. So, mm. in order to leave a sword for a warrior to use in the afterlife, you would break the sword and leave it in his burial, mm. Um, mm. and I can't quite remember where I came across this idea, but it's really stuck with me. Mm. And so, to me, it makes sense that winter, the winter side of the year, it would be the time when the restless spirits are out, right? Because you know, um, perhaps that is when, if if something is whole in our world or in our home that's something that we use but if it is broken it is something the spirit can use mm-hmm. so maybe winter is the time when everything seems green to the spirits.
1: Oh, sure. like a opposite of of what it is i don't know yeah that's really that's an interesting idea i like that
0: yeah um, i haven't um i i need to like figure out again where i saw that it might also be in some um like celtic uh i believe it might be some celtic root uh stuff as well it's not something that
1: i've heard of in our in scandinavian culture but um yeah. but they are uh restless i think part of the reason that they're restless is because we have con- uh, contracted our, our lives, we, in the summertime, we bring the cattle out to the upper farms. There's lots of activity outside. And so there are more um, intersectional points for land spirits and ancestors in the summertime. And then when, when we bring everything in to the, the inguard, the, the, the homestead, um, and there's no activity in the outer area, um, that maybe that's why they are attracted because we, they're attracted to where our, the activity is of their, of their, um, descendants. Cause most of them are, you know, ancestor spirits
0: Right. Yeah. Or like the ancestor of the, um, the farm, you know, the first yeah. one created it. The first farmer on the land is usually buried on the
1: land. And there's a mound there, and there were very there. So there's a um, the Haugabundan, the mound farmer, is um, offered the winter's ale as well. Uh, brewing was 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 an important part of the Yule um, requirements all the way into Christian times. Um, there were laws on the books about how much ale each farm had to brew, and if there were three uh, farmers that could get together and brew this much ale, and if you were a farmer that was far away, you had to brew this much extra it, it it's um was a really important thing, and the offering of ale. Um, to the Mound Farmer. So there's this song the Hagen, um people can maybe look it up on YouTube. Um Christian Brattenberg sings a really great version of it. And um and, it's, and the mound farmer comes up and it's Christmas Eve and the, the farmer has brought the ale out and the mound farmer is saying, you know, so-and-so stole your calf and, or, you know, stole some of your, moved the Gula marker, the, the farm marker and this and that. And the the um, ale giving farmer is saying, we're going to let it all slide because it's Christmas Eve. So we're going to, it's good. And... After they give the ale, then they go uh, bring the greenery in. Mm. So this idea of bringing the Christmas tree in or the the boughs of holly or whatever, the greenery that comes into the house, that happens on Yule Eve day. So uh, it's not like, a, you know, the day after Thanksgiving kind of thing. <laughs> right.
0: Um,
1: And that's part of why they were able to put, like when my mom was little on the farm, her dad would go out Christmas Eve day and he'd go out to the woods and he'd cut a tree and he'd bring it in. And then they would have the actual candles lit on the tree and they would dance around it in a slow, solemn circle. And these living candles on the tree, we think, oh, what a fire hazard but it wasn't such a fire hazard because the tree was fresh it was fresh right. and almost might even still be wet with with snow uh, dripping from it you know and then the mother of the household would put the candles on and light the candles and it was a time where all the children all visitors everybody knew you had to be quiet and solemn and move slowly and carefully and then they will uh, make form a circle, and the tree would be put in the middle of the um, room. And they would make a circle, and they would sing around. And that is still done in in Norway. Yule um, Tree Fest. It's the Yule Tree Festival, and um, that's kind of still done. Um, and then, uh, and then, so then the second Yule month, then. Is um, dedicated to the mothers or to the the females. So that's more when you'll get the Frau Hola um, or Hulda or Frigg, Mrs. Odin, sometimes they call um, Frau Woden. Um, and that's sort of that balance of um, the first Yule months being dedicated to Odin and the second month being dedicated to Frigg and um and that's where we get the mother Night tradition of um honoring the clan mothers. So we've had the alpha bloat in the fall that honors oftentimes clan fathers, the um, male ancestors, though there's not any like super strict um understanding that that was that. Peace. But there is this understanding of the Yule, first Yule month being dedicated to clan fathers and that we had to be really careful because they could get um, hurt, you know, during that time. So special, extra special care was taken of the men in the household. So that, because I suppose part of it is that they're doing like pretty frantically dangerous things like hunting and chopping all the wood that we're going to need. And, you know, that accidents uh, that are out outs, that and a person who is doing things outside was, was going to uh, happen. And that the indoor um, pieces of spinning and, and cooking and those kinds of things that were typically done by, by the female in the household then had their own special dangers that then they had to be very well cared for and honored in their part. So, um, so then Mother Night, uh, in our um, uh, community, we do Mother Night on um, the Gregorian winter solstice, which is the 20th, 21st. And, I was um, going
0: to ask about that. I was going to ask about that because um, that is still like the way that we're kind of calculating our Yule months this year. That seems like it's still in the first month. Yes.
1: Yeah, so, well,
0: it is all very
1: tricky, isn't it?
0: it is what's all this math I don't know (laughs) I know so
1: the um let me just see here so the the first um the first yule month of yuli would be If you have not put a 13th month in for 2020 already, you're in the first Yule month right now. Okay. And then the second Yule month has the second, has the solstice in it, Uh, the Gregorian solstice in it. If you're doing it the way that, so i'm I'm adding a thirteenth month now, so I haven't started my first year months yet. Right. but we don't, we don't really know like what they did in the olden days. you know We in our community, we put Mother Night on winter solstice because probably because it's like you had said, we're working in a post Christian. Uh, new neo pagan um, understanding uh, of of what things are, and so if we talk about Yule being Mother Night being that uh, solstice, um, winter solstice on the Gregorian, then that's that's just how we're that's just how we're doing it, and um, I don't know how traditional or not traditional.
0: I think it's also just, like, okay to – I think it's also just, like, okay to make decisions because we don't know. Absolutely. (laughs) It's okay to just be like, well, you know, it makes sense to me to do Mother Night on the solstice or, you know, it makes sense to me to do Mother Night on New Year's Eve or, you know, like, whatever (laughs) – Yeah, whatever works for you. And then just keeping it kind of consistent and energetically in flow, you know.
1: Yeah, and I think um, for, as um, Sarah Axtell would point out, these are things that we're supposed to do within the few or uh, understood uh, customs of our own family, our own families, and our own communities. And so, this is something that has worked out well for our community, and so that's what we have been doing over the last twenty years. You know, we're just doing it like this. Yeah, and, I love it. Okay, yep. Yeah. So, um, so the so that the idea of Yule uh, Blot being all the way in um, January doesn't play into any into most modern heathen practices. Um, For some obvious reasons. For one, because most people don't have um, an extended vacation time, (laughs) right? Right, yeah. Based on, um, it's nice to be able to celebrate the things when other people are celebrating the things. Like, uh, you know, Hanukkah and like Christmas and like Kwanzaa and like, you know, all of these you know, festivals that happen approximately at the same time, it's nice to kind of get in on that whole vibe of everybody's celebrating something. So that's a, that's a decision we can, we can make. Um, And then having a Yule Bloat. So blót is the sacrificial piece. And I, I think about um, the, the, Front half of Yule Tide as being the is being preparatory and um, incoming energies and making sure we're only letting in the right kinds of energies and doing the the rituals and that having a Blot in January on the full moon of the um, marrow sucking month. Would be something that I. It's something that I actually do personally, and it's something that I think is really important because we've been in this giving, this gifu reciprocity, gifting, gifting uh, one another, gifting to the mound people, gifting to the nissa, which is another one of those things that happens. You know, we've got those those little spirits that of the barns and the outbuildings and the house. That we need to leave presents for and things. And so this sort of is a final gifting. Um for me and my personal um way of celebrating, this is a final gifting to the gods, to um to that energy which creates all things. To Mm -hmm. that ultimate unseen um understanding of how lucky we are to have made it this far through winter yeah. and then right after that then is is when we really start to see and feel the sun the days lengthening this is long dark period before what is in celtic terms in bulk um or when the when the sheep have um I mean, that's another thing to, to take into consideration. The animals have been bred during the fall, and they will be giving birth right around the end of January, beginning of February, and that in milk is where the use milk comes in, or it's that time where we start to see new life. We start to see, we start to to say that, yes, this dark piece is uh, over. So that's Mm -hmm. just a sort of an extra part of Yule that I like. But it's interesting because Saint Days have uh, extended throughout January, have extended uh, requirements around ending Yule. Yes. Yeah, I've been... I've yeah. been
0: reviewing some of my Primstaff days, you know, just in preparation. I'm seeing, you know, like, oh, this is the day when all of the last of the Yule ale needs to be drunk. This is the day when, you know, all of the Christmas leftovers need to be eaten and, like, all of this stuff. So, yeah, it's a lot about, like, kind of wrapping up festivities. Yes. And Saint- it almost seems like a ramping down. A- yes.
1: Saint think Newton's Day is um, the 13th. It's called twentieth day Knut. It's the twentieth day of Christmas, uh, if you count from from Christmas Day, and the thirteenth of January, and uh, this is a time in Norway where you where people have to throw their tree out because by then it has become brittle and is a fire hazard. So there were ways that we could extend it out um, so that we so that it did in, incorporate that second Yule moon's month, uh, full moon. Uh,
0: Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. It feels like the second month is a little bit more like internal, you know, the, the gifts are internal. You're celebrating kind of some more things. I know for me personally, like I almost look at, you know, new year, like the first day of the new year, Um, Gregorian year, that is, as um, almost a Sabbath, you know, in and of itself, like Mm -hmm. speaking in which terms, like I think of it as a Sabbath of, you know, I want to do things on that day that um, I want to carry with me throughout the year. So maybe, you know, if I'm working on a book or a writing project, I want to make sure that I spend at least a little bit of time writing that day. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, if I want to do more cooking, like I want to make sure that I cook dinner that day or um do yoga or like whatever it is that i'm kind of committing myself to and that i want to bring more into the next year like i just really make sure to be kind of conscious of how i use that energy of that like new day forming and that's just like a personal gnosis thing that's not something i found in any other traditions necessarily but Uh i think that it's useful um to think of things like that when people are trying to figure out okay how i'm pagan how do i want to celebrate? all of these different winter holidays. How do I want to celebrate, you know, all of this stuff? I think that, you know, it's totally okay to... um,
1: Yeah, and if you put Yule on the solstice, January 1st is Twelfth Night. Oh, yeah. So so it does kind of, it wraps that piece up as well. I think it's... Yeah. um, In... The Christian calendar of twelfth night being on the sixth of January is where where we take the wassailing or the um, the wassail the the we take the um, out to the orchard we wassail the orchard to make sure that the fruit trees have had their little um, you know, bloat. Uh We wassail the house, which is to go from house to house, and wassail the hall, which is to go into the main farmer's house, and that's where the bring us some figgy pudding comes from. So, like this idea that you go, um, you go around to to, and you bless. It becomes the blessing of the of the whole community from the orchard to the to the main house you know so that's that's a a, a really sort of sweet um one yeah i know, i do i agree with you that it's important to make things that are meaningful to you um if you can reach down into your own root culture piece and learn maybe one uh recipe that your ancestors might have uh, might have had. Um, There's a a great uh, book um, from the Frugal Gourmet Cooks with our Immigrant Ancestors. And he goes through all these everything from, you know, uh, Persia to uh, you know, goes through all the immigrant um, ancestors that he thai and scandinavian you know all these different ones and has recipes so i think that's a really cool um thing to do to honor our ancestors by making something that they might have made and then um there's another really cool resource called folk songs of another america which was a compilation of smithsonian recordings that were done during um during the depression when they um, sent out uh, people to record folk songs um, and uh, it's at the University of Wisconsin Madison, you can look look that up and you can find folk songs in from all these different immigrant groups that are in language dialects that don't even exist anymore and so you can hear something that your ancestors might have heard so I think I think finding a root culture piece at this time of year, especially since really this time of year is so prevalently around ancestor pieces, um, I think that that in and of itself could be a wonderful um, ritual for people to do um, just uh, no matter what, whether you're practicing paganisms or Christian uh, or anything, Uh, or nothing honoring our ancestors is is always a good plan um figuring out getting in their language getting in the food their food you know just a little something and if people don't know who their ancestors are you know just look at your last name and figure it out figure out what your last names mean
0: yeah or think about you know your community too there so, you if, you don't know your la- if you don't know your ancestors, but you're from, like, Minnesota, for example, you know, you could make a tater tot hot dish and say, like, okay, this is, you know... Um, the Midwestern
1: cultural diaspora. Yeah. Another good thing for Americans is, um, to do is to figure out whose land we're living on. Yes. And then... Extremely to- important go into that piece and and see what what are those pieces storytelling is often like the primary activity in the winter time for all cultures that live in these northern climates Um, and so there's some stories for example in the Anishinaabe tradition that are only told during winter and can't be told any other time of the of the year so that's a that would be um, maybe a way of honoring is just saying you know there's going to be some storytelling or um yeah different yeah just i i think people should just explore the the depth of what the dark times has to offer um because our our over culture has been so um focused on Uh, not the embracing of the darkness and the cold and not embracing that reality it's more it's been focused on bringing in all the light you can bring in all the light all the light all the light every bit of thing and all the consumption all the consumption all the consumption and all the you know uh, anything to sort of mask seasonal affective disorders that we might be experiencing Rather than going deeper into those pieces and seeing what are these what do these pieces mean? What's the personification of seasonal affective disorder if it isn't Krampus?
0: <laughs> right, or the wild hunt. Mm-hmm. You know, that restless spirit or that, you know, um that kind of spirit that's afraid. Um, yeah. So Another one last question. I know that we've been talking for a really long time, um, but there's, there's a whole other month, I feel like, that we just haven't gotten into yet. So maybe we'll have to do that later. Um, <laughs> so one last question for you. So for people who are in the Scandinavian or Germanic um, heathen diaspora um, here in the States, but are not in Northern climates, Mm-hmm. So let's talk about our heathens who are maybe living in Texas or who are in um, California or something. How would you recommend people kind of embrace this sort of ancestral understanding that this is the dark time of year when the dark time of year, it might not look like the dark time of year for them. Right. Yeah. You know,
1: um, I think there's a a lot of importance around Um, being in complete darkness, not just uh, from that to gain understanding, but also because our pineal gland requires absolute darkness in order to engage. Mm -hmm. So I would absolutely suggest that people in the South, um, in Southern climates, Get some of these uh, light blocking curtains that can create an absolute darkness and then um, and then just sit in that absolute darkness with a, a handful of spruce and a single candle, and just sort of inhaling that greenery and just being in that that darkness. Um, I think that that in and of itself, um, can be a, a, a meditative way of uh, engaging not just um, the pineal gland and those the things that the pineal gland does like regulating our bodies for temperature sh- shifts and but also dream time mm-hmm. um, unplugging all of our electronics taking you know having a chunk of time where we just Unplug everything and get into the darkness and just really, um, you know, embrace it. Embracing that that darkness, I think, is really important. Um, So physiologically, um, but also in terms of our own ancestral memory uh, that we hold within our bodies, um, it can really be sort of a profound thing. So that that's my suggestion.
0: Yeah. I think also another thing, obviously, you know, like no matter where you are, you can celebrate your ancestors and celebrate, you know, the, the dead or, um, those maybe restless spirits or what have you, um, in your, uh, lineage. Um, and yeah, Mm. I don't know, maybe in years when it's safe to travel, like decide to go to maybe, you know, like go to a, mountain vacation or whatever if you can manage that you know if you live in the south just to like kind of experience that winter for more than you know like a a weekend or whatever um that would be great I think it you
1: know puts those runes of of winter into perspective the ice rune and the hail rune and you know those those the birch rune, those, those runes that are kind of quintessentially northern to compolar, um, it can really put those runes into a, a different perspective for people living in um, more temperate climates um, to go into those climates and experience those pieces. Uh, the, the, um, f- the reality of losing limbs, fingers and toes to frostbite um, is, is something that I think people should experience. Uh, don't think you want to experience frostbite, but understand, you know, especially, well, we live in a climate where homelessness is, um, a life and death edge in the winter.
0: Absolutely. And I think that that is something that, um, so we're both, we both live in Minneapolis. Um, the, uh there have been a lot of homeless um encampments or homeless people who are living in minnesota um and it's always um you know finding solutions, giving what you can um working on you know like how how can you at this time you know call your city council member and fight for you know like housing resources or something like that you know that is kind of that reciprocity, that gift-giving, like, part of the season is, like, how can you, as a person who is housed or who has shelter, how can you give back to those communities, I think is really important, both, like, materially and spiritually right now. Absolutely.
1: And quite appropriate to the ancient traditions of making sure everybody had a door-to-latch and mittens to wear, you know...
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, oh my gosh, this has been so fantastic, Hari. I might, um, we'll see, we might do like a midsummer sort of, uh, Ooh. answer to this later in the year, um, to see kind Love of like fun. what are the midsummer traditions as well. Um, but that will be for many months yet. We still have a lot of winter to get through before that. That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so you are teaching a bunch of classes, if any of this stuff. this is, We, like, just touched on just, like, a sliver of your knowledge of these holidays. Um, so I know that you're teaching a ton through Need Fire um, via Yule Fest. I think it's, like, if you want to attend, they have these, um, uh, not subscriptions, they have these packages where, you know, you can have all access passes to your fast classes via need fire. And even though we've already had the Krampus class, um, we yeah. will, uh, you know, there's so much more yet to come. And I think if you want to attend more than five, it's a good idea to get a pass.
1: Yeah, there's a pass that um, includes five classes, and I've taught one of the f- one out of the five I'm teaching. But we also have Maria Kvihalg and Johannes Gorbeck and everybody, you know, like people from Scandinavia and Larissa Hunter is doing uh, Mother Night woolworking spellworking thing. And
0: I'm teaching there- a yeah, I'm teaching a plan your year with Tarot class it'll be so fun
1: um, the candle dipping and there's incense making and there's so much stuff you guys this is just gonna be so much fun and I'm yeah just excited to be part of it
0: yeah I'm so excited to be part of it too so definitely if you're interested in that I'll leave a link in the show notes for this episode um highly encourage you to check it out
1: Yeah, and you can check uh, more about my work on my website, which is
0: KariToring.com. Yes, I will also link to that in the show notes. So it's easy for folks to find. All right, well, thank you so much, Kari. This has been fantastic.
1: Well, you're so welcome, and I look forward to seeing you in the Zooms.
0: And that is it for today's episode of the Heathen's Journey podcast. A huge thank you and shout out to all of my students and patrons for making this work available. If you want to become a patron and support the podcast, head on over to patreon.com slash northernlightswitch. I post full moon and new moon ritual guides, rune readings for each of the turning of the zodiac season, and so much more. If you would like to follow me in between episodes, you can find me on Instagram at northern.lights.witch or on Twitter at northlightwitch. Until next time, stay weird.